It's so good to see baptism, isn't it? I love seeing that, and that's, that's just the beginning. We've got more of those stories coming uh, through this service. Uh, one of the, I love being able to do Baptism Sunday messages um, just because, like the rest of you, I love hearing those stories. I love hearing the stories of, of conversion. I love hearing, seeing people and how they've committed their life to Christ, and I love being up here and trying to avoid falling into the water for about 40 minutes. It's really... One of my favorite things. Uh, well, good morning. My name's Norm Pond. I'm one of the elders here on the elder board at the church. Um, and I'm excited to start a new series with you. Um, if you're here, you've been to Freshwater for a while. Glad to have you. If uh, somebody invited you today or you're just checking us out or you're not really sure what this whole church thing's going on or you found the link online, really excited to have you as well. I uh, hope you enjoy the message. And I'm really excited because I get to start a new series for us. So we have a new series. It's a four-week series that we're going to do at the church. And it's going to be a bit different. Um, the series is going to focus around the idea of what does it look like to love our neighbors, the people around us, friends, family, coworkers, the barista at the coffee house, the server at the restaurant, the person at the gym, and people across this world. What does it look like to love them a way Jesus would call us to? And what does it look like to reach them with the gospel and the word of Jesus? So that's what we're going to focus on. But we're doing it a little bit differently over these four weeks. We're being very intentional about this and doing something a bit different. We have, we've been promoing this book for a couple weeks that we've invited you all to, to get and join in with us. Um, it's by Dave Clayton. It's called Jesus Next Door. So we've been promoing this for a week, and what it is, um, it's, it's a short book, but it's got tons of awesome deep information in here, and it's, it's a devotion, but it's called a 30-day prayer guide. And the way this works, if, if you've joined in already, you know this, but if you haven't, I just want to give you an idea of how this works and why we want you to join with us. In the book, each of the 30 days, it starts off and it gives you a verse and kind of a theme for that day. And then the author walks through a story and kind of how that theme or that verse has played out in his life or in interactions he's seen. At the end of that, it gives you another passage of scripture to read to confirm that, that teaching. And then at the end of each one, there's these sections for reflection and for prayer. And what we're asking everybody to do as individuals or as families or couples or however it works for you is to get this book have this book. Uh, we had, we've gone through 250 of them as a church. Praise Jesus. Everybody's got them. If you didn't get one, there's a table out back, our next steps table. Go see somebody and we'll get you a book. So if you don't have it, join in with us. And we want you to go through this and not just read it and check off, okay, I did day three. It's not a check off kind of thing. It's a read through this, pray through this. Ask Jesus to talk to you through this to encourage you, to inspire you to follow what he's commanded us to do in our lives and love our neighbors. So that's what we're asking you to do, church. We're asking you to be intentional with us. And, um, and really, uh, you know, my good friend Bruce right here says, we would love to see Jesus turn the ship on this one. Turn the ship for us with reaching our neighbors for Jesus. So I get to do the first message here. And before we jump in, I want to enter in prayer. So would you join me? Lord Jesus, um, we ask for your presence to be with us. 
whether we're online, whether we're here in person, Lord, manifest your presence with us today, Lord, so that we can feel and know that you're here with us. Lord, let the words be your words, not mine, Lord. Let, let your words turn every ear and mind and heart out there to you and what you would be speaking with them this morning. Lord, you are so good. Thank you for giving us this day. Thank you for giving us your word, Lord. Thank you for giving these stories that we've heard and we're going to hear. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. So first message in this, loving, and we're doing this series. I said the theme is going to be loving others, loving our neighbors, and reaching them with the word. Those are two things God calls us to do. You might ask yourself, well, why be so intentional about those two things? Because if you go through this book, right, you go through the Bible, there's a lot of things that Jesus calls us to do. I mean, pages and pages and pages of things God calls us to do. So why get so focused on a church here at Freshwater about loving our neighbors and reaching them? Well, there's an easy answer to that one, because when it comes to loving our neighbors, we're going to see here in Scripture that Jesus actually talks about it in context of the greatest thing. It's the greatest thing. And I want you to turn. We're going to do Scripture throughout this series, and I want to make some space as we do that so that whether you have your Bibles or you got a phone with you or a tablet or you're just reading on the screen, you can get there and actually see what Scripture says. And, you know, everybody handles their Bible differently in their phone. But, I, I mean, I'm a guy, I underline, I highlight, I mark pages. These are things we want you to remember. So what I want to do is show you what Jesus says about loving our neighbors. And we're going to turn first to Matthew chapter 22. And it's going to be on the screen, Matthew chapter 22. It's, going to, it's starting in verse 34. This is talking about the great commandment. So follow with me. It says, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him, asked Jesus a question to test him. He said, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Testing Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus responded and said, You should love, your God, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And we can stop there. Jesus says, you want to know what the greatest commandment is? It's that you would love God with everything you are. You would love God with all of your being, with all of your time, with all of everything you are, your thoughts, your mind, should be focused on loving God first. And if you're out there and that's not something you've ever done and you wonder what that looks like, Christian or non-Christian, what does it look like to love God with everything? It's not that much different than how we go about loving each other. We love God with everything when we're in relationship with him. When you know God, when you trust God, when you're willing to give your struggles, your daily struggles in your life to God and let him lead you, that's how we love God. And loving God may not come easy either because how do you love somebody if you don't know anything about them? I teach some, some classes here at the church and sometimes people think they're dry because, well, it's just a bunch of stuff and you're learning black and white figures and theology and stuff. But I tell everybody, it may seem like that, but I truly believe the more you know about God, the more you can learn to love him. 
Because the more we know about God, we begin to find out how much he sacrificed and wants for us and how much he loves us. So the first and greatest commandment in everything we do and are is to love God first. And here's what's great. They only asked him what the greatest commandment is, but he didn't stop. He gave him the first commandment and then no hesitation. He said this in verse 39, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments depend the law and the prophets. See, Jesus wanted them to understand that, yes, you need to love God, but you need to love your neighbors as well. And not just a worldly love. This is where... I think we as Christians, as non-Christians, as churches, as, as communities, as people at work and families, I think this is where sometimes we mess this up because we're looking at this command to love our neighbors and we can look at ourselves in the way the world would say, well, yeah, I love my neighbor. I help my neighbor. Maybe I help them financially. Maybe I give them a ride to work. Maybe I help them with their kids or babysit. Maybe I give them a hug or I talk to them through tough times. That's great. That's awesome. You're loving your neighbors. That's great. But if you're not loving your neighbors by telling them about Jesus, you're not loving your neighbors the way God would command you. If you love God first and Jesus is a part of your life, then to follow this and love your neighbors the way God would call means that you need to be sharing Jesus with your neighbors. That's loving your neighbors the way God commands. That's loving your neighbors the way God commands. And, and I love in the book here, so if you, you've been through the first chapter or you know, the first nine if you followed, there was this example. And if you haven't seen it, I'm going to walk through it. it. You know, the author it doesn't really ease into this one. He puts, paints this scenario in the very first day, and he says, what would it look like for my neighbor... Maybe your actual neighbor or family member, friend, coworker, whoever you interact with, what would it look like for them if I didn't live next to them, but Jesus did? How would my neighbor's life be different if it wasn't me living next to them, talking with them, interacting with them, sharing life with them, but Jesus? How would it be different for them? And I think that's the challenge. That's the challenge for us. It's Jesus calls us to love him. And because we love him and we know how to love him, we love our neighbors as he would. And so the challenge for us is are we loving our neighbors the way Jesus would? Would our neighbors see our relationship with them and what we do and interact with them the same as it would be if Jesus were to take our place? In church, I think that's the challenge for us. Not just over these four weeks, but for the rest of our lives as Christians is what does it look like to love your neighbor the way God would call you to love them? That's the challenge. And, and in doing so, this is in chapter 22. We're going to look here in a little bit at the end of Matthew chapter 28. This was the greatest commandment. And there's something we reference as the great commission in which Jesus's last words to his disciples. He tells them to take that word, that name of Jesus and take it out to the nations. Take the love of Christ out to the world. That's the great commission. And, and, and we look at these two things, the great commandment to love God and our neighbors and the commission to go and reach this world with that love. And if you could somehow 
like see what the DNA of a Christian was, what our makeup was. If you could somehow kind of open the veins and see what pours out of it, it should be these two things. It should be loving God and loving our neighbors and sharing Jesus with them. That should pour out of us as Christians. But church, I, I, as I was prepping this, I've been convicted because I just, I don't know that that's where we are as a church. I don't know that's where I am or we are as individuals. And so I started taking a look at this and I was asking the question, what is, what is sharing the gospel look like today? How, how are we doing with that? And so there's gonna, be a, there's gonna be a chart up here. This was from Lifeway Research. They looked at, um, you're gonna see it up here. So here was the question. They surveyed a thousand, a little over a thousand Protestant churchgoers. And they asked this question, in the past six months, how many times did you share with someone how to become a Christian? Over the last six months, how many times did you talk to somebody about Jesus? If you're commanded to do it, and that's how we show our love to people, how many times are you being obedient to Jesus' command? And I want you to look at it. Over six months, over 55% of us, 55% of us didn't do it once. Not one time over the course of six months. And think about it, right? Yeah, this might be a little revealing for myself as well, a little bit convicting. As Christians, a lot of people look at us like we've got it together, we do everything right. Well, we don't. Think about how many interactions you have in just a day. I mean, you're at church, you've got a lot today, but in your regular day, do you interact with one people, 10 people, 100 people? Over the course of the week, does it get into the hundreds or more? Over the course of six months, how many people do you interact with? Not have a relationship with, just interact with. How many times do you talk to somebody on the phone? Do you go get coffee and say something to somebody? You see the person checking you out at the store, uh, you, you, the, the server at the restaurant, talk to your family, talk to your friends, talk to your coworkers. How many people, hundreds, even into the thousands, do you interact with over six months? And of all of those thousands of opportunities, over half of us don't say Jesus' name once. We are not willing to share the message of Christ once. It's kind of staggering to me. And, and what it tells me is as a church, as church leadership, we're not doing our job. We must not be doing our job of leading. And so I was wondering, okay, so like what, what is it that is causing us not to share this message? And so I looked this up a little more on what's going on because we're committed to it. Jesus commissions us to do this. It's called the Great Commission. And so there's gonna be another chart up here where they asked a thousand some churchgoers. The numbers may be hard to see, but I'll help you out with the colors. The question here was, they asked churchgoers, over a thousand of them, have you heard of the Great Commission? Have you heard of the Great Commission? And see that red pie on the top right, that piece? What that shows you is that only 17% of them said they knew what the Great Commission was. Only 17% of churchgoers that were surveyed knew what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28 at the end, the last words of disciples. Only 20 or 17% of them said they knew that Jesus had committed us to go out and reach the world with his name. 17%. 
I remember as I was reading this, I just had to reflect. I was, um, this lack of knowledge of what Jesus has committed us to, was, it, it, it shook me a little bit. I remember uh, those of us, when we were at our old building, the old church, um, we used to have, at that time too, we had paper handouts, paper bulletins with announcements that were handed. And uh, on the very inside cover, many of you might remember this, you, you turn the inside, the very first thing you saw, the top left-hand corner, before you got to anything else, was the Great Commission. It was there. Matthew chapter 28, starting in 16, it was there. And you read through the Great Commission. We are, in fact, part of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. We're dedicated as a church, as a denomination, to reaching people with the love of Jesus Christ. And it was there as a reminder. Now, I'm not saying we got to go back to paper bulletins or that I have to put it up here every Sunday for you, but I just wondered, like, how did we get from dedication and commandments and commitments of Christ, something that should be in our DNA, that should be in our blood, that our heart should beat after sharing the gospel with people to only 17% of us even know that we're supposed to do it. How do we get there? And as, as I said, that was convicting for me because as, as an elder in the church and for church leadership, I think part of it is, a large part of it is we're just not doing our job. We're not doing our job of telling you and informing you and encouraging you and uplifting you as to what Jesus wants from you in your life. Yeah, he wants you to be here in fellowship, but above all else, he wants you to love your neighbor and tell people about him. That's what he wants. And, and for, for only 17% to know that, that's, that's, we take the burden of that too. And so I want to close the gap on that. In fact, even if it was 99%, there was 1% who didn't know, we still need to close the gap on that. So let's read the Great Commission. I'll give you a minute to turn. If you've got a phone or a device or your Bible, or you can follow along up here, we're going to read it. We've read the greatest commandment to love each other, but I want to read with you Matthew chapter 28, some of Jesus' last words to his disciples. And we're going to start in verse 16. And this is what he said. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And hear this, verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you to the end of the age. Jesus commissions his disciples to go out into all the world and not just share the message, right? It's not just sharing the message, but it's then making disciples so that they can make disciples, so that they can make disciples and the word of Jesus will spread. But it starts with us being obedient to the call, being obedient to the call there. So church, we have been commanded to love each other to love our neighbors. And we do so by following this commission of Jesus Christ and sharing his word. And so part of that, right, as I looked at that, the 55% of us or more that aren't sharing the message of Jesus, maybe it's because we didn't know the Great Commission. Maybe it's the, it really is because we didn't know that was part of it. It's, it's famously been said it's the Great Commission, right? It's not the Great Suggestion. It's not something that you could go do if you wanted to. No, it's something we're committed to go do if you call yourself a Christian. It's something that should be part of your DNA, flow in your veins, and be how your heart beats 
to go out there and spread that love of Jesus Christ to our neighbors. So part of it may be that, but even the, the 17% there, there's still 55% in there that aren't doing it, so why? What are the other reasons that maybe we're not sharing the message of Jesus? I've got one more chart. It's the last one. Some of you out there are going, I love charts. Um, this one may be hard to see too, and I'm going to help you out. This was from a survey. By the way, these were all surveys done pre-COVID. I want to make sure this wasn't influenced. Well, I haven't been out of my house or anything else. No, this is, this is us, church. What we have here is these questions on the left in the groups, the orange is millennials, the dark blue is Gen X, and then we have boomers and elders, okay? And I want to read you a couple of these questions. The first question says, they were responding that part of my faith, part of what it means to be a Christian is being a witness for Jesus. So even if you didn't know what the Great Commission was, 96% of people, 97, 95, almost everybody said, even if I don't know what the Great Commission is, I know that being a Christian means I got to be a witness for Jesus. Awesome. The next line, upper 90 percentages across the board said, the, in fact, not only should I be a witness for Jesus, but the best thing that could ever happen to somebody is for them to come to know Jesus. Think about that. Almost everybody said, not only am I supposed to be a witness, but if somebody comes to know Jesus, it's the best thing that will ever happen to them in their life. And I need to be a witness for it. It's awesome. That's where we should be at a church. And then we get to the second to last one, and I about hit the floor. So the second to last one, you see that 47% on the left. 47%, almost half of people, almost half of the people that said that they need to be a witness and that the greatest thing that could ever happen to somebody is for them to know Jesus. Half of them said that it's still wrong to share the message of Jesus with people. Am I crazy? The greatest thing that could ever happen to your neighbor, your friend, your family member, your coworker, the greatest thing that could ever happen to them is that they would know Jesus Christ. And yet half of us say, well, even though it's my job, it's wrong to do it for whatever reason, because you don't want to offend somebody or it's uncomfortable to do it or there's not good time. Whatever it is, it's wrong to do it. Half of us say that. That was staggering to me. And by the way, a side note, if you're visiting, if you, you don't know Jesus, if you don't know church, or if you're here trying to figure out if somebody dragged you along today, who knows, and you're, you've always wondered, why do Christians want to always talk about Jesus? It's not because we want to be right. It's not because we want to change your mind and convince you for ourselves. It's because we truly believe it's the greatest thing that will ever happen to you. That's, that's it, okay? So don't think we're just trying to stand on a pedestal. We just want you to experience the greatest thing you've ever experienced in your life. But one other thing about this as a church that I think we need to grab onto. So 47% of millennials said that it's wrong to share the message of Jesus, even if it's the greatest thing that'll happen. We just had messages in the previous week about womanhood and manhood. We had one on legacy and what it looks like to leave a legacy. On the right, even though it shouldn't be even as high as 19 or 20%, we have our boomers and our elders. Look at that, you get emotional just thinking about it. If you wanna leave a legacy, boomers and elders, let's get that 47% down, okay? Let's go talk to Gen X and millennials and show them why it's not wrong to share Jesus with people. That's how you leave a legacy, guys. That's how we leave a legacy.
And, and so there's, th- it, that baffled me that not, you know, part of why we don't share the love of Jesus and do this great commission with people is because either we don't know or somehow we think it's wrong or offensive or we don't want to ruin relationships or hurt people. But that's not what Jesus says. That's not what it means to share the love of Christ. And I want to I hopefully encourage you here. I want you to hear what it looks like when we share the word of life with people. It should be up there on the screen or you can follow along. This is going to be 1 John. This is the introduction the author John writes to his audience. I'm going to read verses, 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Listen to this. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life, the life that was made manifest, and we've seen it, and we testify to it, and proclaim to you eternal life, which was with the Father, and which was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard and proclaimed to you, so that you may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. He's talking about this, what it looks like to have seen life and experienced life. And Jesus is that life, the word of life. And, and sharing that with people. And look what he says. He says, and we are writing these things to you. We're sharing this with you so that our joy may be complete. Because in sharing the word of Jesus, joy happens. Even if it's difficult and hard and messy, even if you think people don't want to hear it, there's joy that comes. And this, this word R up there, don't think that's a being a selfish thing. We go back into language. That R is big universal. It's our meaning joy comes to you in sharing the word. Joy comes to others in knowing that Jesus loves them. And joy comes to God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit because you're being obedient to his call to share the word. Folks, for the 47% up there, sharing the word of Jesus isn't wrong. It's joyous. It is a joy to share the word, even if it's tough and messy. So I would encourage us. The challenge, the challenge to us as we go through this and we reflect on our own lives, the challenge to us as we look at what it looks like to love others and to share the word of Christ is, are you being obedient to that? Or are you not doing it? Are you dreading it? And are you actually willing, let me throw this out, are you willing to accept the joy that comes with it? We could all use a little more joy in our lives, right? You could use a little more joy in your life. Did you know that you can get a little bit more joy by taking a risk and stepping out and just telling somebody Jesus loves them? A little bit more joy is coming for you. And Jesus is smiling. So it's joyous to share the word. It's joy. So, folks, there's this command to love our neighbors and love them not in the way just the world would say, but the way Jesus would say. And we're commissioned to take that love and show it to others by telling them about Jesus. And in doing so, there's great joy that comes from it. That's going to be our challenge over the next four weeks, folks. But there's two other things that come with it that I want to share. Two other things. One is prayer. One is prayer. And we're asking you to pray about this church. Now at Freshwater, those of us who have gone to Freshwater for a while, those who experienced Freshwater, this is a church that prays. This is a church that prays. 
We have people that pray on Sunday mornings. We have people that are praying before service, during service, after service. There's people that are praying with our youth. There's people that are praying with our kids. We have our pastors and staff praying during the week. Our elders are praying. Men's ministry, women's ministry, community groups. We have healing teams that are praying. This is a church that prays. And we don't pray needlessly. We pray because we know that God says when we pray obediently and honestly in his will, he's going to act. And we've seen it. This church has seen in ministry growth. This church has seen in healings. This church has seen it in people coming to get baptized because it's the greatest thing that ever happened to them. We see God move through prayer. And so we are praying a lot. And guess what? I'm asking you to add more prayer to your plate. I'm asking you to fill yourself up with prayer. I'm asking you to pray. We've talked about it before. Pray for people. Pray for your three. If it's overwhelming to pray for everybody you interact with, how about having three people? How about having three people that you want to pray about that they would start to encounter Jesus? Pray for three people. Today, over the course of this week, every day, you can write it in your book, every day write their name on it and pray for those people. Folks, Jesus, God the Father, the Holy Spirit, they want us to pray. And they answer prayer. So we're going to pray, church. Pray through this. And the last piece I want to share with you, it's, uh, sometimes it's, it's, it's easy to get up here and show numbers and show you why you should be doing something. Well, we don't want to be in that percentage, so you guys go out and do it, right? Go out there and talk about Jesus to people. But action is really hard. Sometimes action is good. You can get really pumped out about, up about this, and we'll go here and we'll go out to the grocery store after this, and we'll know in our hearts we should say something to somebody about Jesus, maybe in the moment. But action gets really messy. And sometimes we look at it, and I want to I myth bust something here a little bit. I think sometimes we look at it because we think it's on us, right? Because sharing the love of Jesus with somebody has the potential for them to accept Jesus. Salvation, the greatest thing that could happen in their lives. And sometimes we may look at it ourselves like, I'm not qualified to do that. I'm not a theologian. I'm not a pastor. I can't even speak to people in public. I'm nervous just looking at somebody at work and shaking their hands. I can't do that. And we think that, that, well, and what if I mess it up? What if I actually reach out to my neighbor and share the word of Jesus and they don't accept it? Did I just ruin their opportunity? And I want you to understand, church, that it's actually not all about you. It's not all about you. It's not all about you, and it's not a win-loss game for church. Salvation is not about numbers for the church because we are doing good, and we did this. That's not what it is. When we talk about evangelism unto salvation, salvation that comes through sharing the message of Christ, like the Great Commission says, there's three people involved. There's us sharing the message. There's Jesus working in somebody's heart, and there's them accepting. There's three people. So no matter whether they accept or not, it's not all on you. But it doesn't happen without you. It doesn't happen without you. That's why it's so important to get out there and share the love of Christ, to be obedient to that call. And uh, I want to share an example of what that might look like. Um, you know, I think 
we all have times where we, we hear great stories about what it looks like for evangelism to happen at a coffee shop or on an airplane or on a missions trip. And it's, that's what it should be like, that transformational moment. And you've got to have the presentation ready. You've got to have the words. You've got to nail it and, and make sure you cover all the aspects of it so that you can get them the message they need so they can say yes to Jesus. But sometimes it's really messy and it doesn't go right. And that happened to me and it happens a lot. Let me give you an example. A couple years ago, I was at a store here in town and uh, I was about fifth in line to check out and I'm watching the cashier and she's checking people out and you can see just in her body and her person and her face and her being, like there's just something wrong. There's like this emptiness there. There's just something missing. She was motion, kind of motionless and just emotionless. And I'm about fifth back in line. And I thought to myself, yeah, she needs the hope of Jesus. Like, like she needs that hope in her life. I, I've got to share the love of Jesus with this girl. And so I've, I've been a Christian for a while and, and I read and, and, and know the Bible and I, I teach theology, I, you know, so I've gone through all that and it's, I know the gospel presentation. I know what it looks like to share with somebody the love of Christ. And so I've got it in my head how I'm gonna, you know, approach her and what I'm gonna say and it's gonna, they've got this thing how she might respond and it's gonna be this transformational moment. And so there we go, four people, three people, two people and it's my turn. So I put my stuff up there and she's checking me out and, and I, uh, you know, cashing me out for everything. And I looked at her and just blank, nothing. I realized I had been standing there too long when she actually finally leaned in and said, sir, I had nothing guys. All my preparation, all my training, all my education, all my confidence and everything. And I had nothing. I handed her my money and I walked out. I walked out. I got in my car and I turned the car on and I'm getting ready to leave. And I'm like, what just happened? See, folks, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what kind of training you've got. It doesn't matter how successful you've been about it and back. We're all a mess here in Jesus sometimes. So I went back in. <laughs> I went back in. I grabbed something off the shelf that I didn't need. I can't tell you to the day what I bought. I have no idea. I grabbed the first thing I was looking for. I got back in line, about third in line. And I'm like, okay. Shake that one off, got all pumped up. And I get through the line and she, she didn't even really say, you know, oh, you're back so soon. Um, but she's still checking out in line and bam, blank again, two times in a row, I'm 0 for two. And I'm sitting there staring at her and I, this time I wasn't leaving till I shared something with her, till I shared something. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, um, I, uh, and there's people waiting. And I'm like, um, just, uh, I hope God blesses you today. And she didn't say anything. And I was like, I'm looking at her. And I was like, and I smiled. And you know what happened? Nothing. Nothing happened. She didn't say anything. I didn't have that transformational moment. She didn't say, great, well, who's God? Oh, what do you mean by, oh, thank you for saying that. I got nothing. I, you know, me, all prepared, trained. It's in my mind. I was a bit of a blubbering idiot. And all I got out was, I hope Jesus blesses you today. And then I walked out and went home. But you know what? That's okay. Because it's not our job to make sure they say yes or ask the next question. Jesus commits us to go out and just say the name of Jesus to people. Jesus commits us to go out and open that door. And even if you stumble through it, it's all right. You stumble through it, great. Sometimes you're going to do that. All of us will. <laughs> but we have to keep doing it. 
But here's the great thing. I hope you guys are encouraged by this because sometimes you stumble through it. Sometimes you blubber through the words. Sometimes you don't know what to get out and you feel like you messed it all up. Jesus can use it. And then sometimes you get through and you actually share and that sharing turns into an invitation. And sometimes that sharing turns into an invitation of sharing the love of Jesus. And sometimes that invitation turns into somebody saying yes to Jesus. And sometimes just because you shared and invited, somebody now can experience the greatest thing they'll ever have in their life. And then sometimes they'll go beyond that and they'll share it with a whole bunch of other people through baptism. That's the kind of invitation you're gonna see here today. There's gonna be a story up here. I hope you guys enjoy it.